Hi, I'm your host, Tom DeSavia. Join me as I interview guests from music and entertainment from around the world about what they're up to right now. Stay tuned, because we're gone in 30 minutes. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Gone in 30 Minutes. Uh, very excited to have their duo you may professionally know as Birds of Chicago. Uh, he is a... Uh, Half of the uh, electronic folk hip hop duo Dim Star, she is part of the super group. Our native daughters, can I call it a super group? Sure, I love yeah. that word. Yeah, and <laughs> it's about to have her uh, debut solo record out on Fantasy Records this spring. Uh, welcome to the podcast, everybody. Allison Russell and JT Nero. Hey, gang. Hi, see you, buddy. Great to have you. See you. I, I was going to start off because we there's there's been a lot of personal connections with uh, a lot of our guests, and this one's especially uh, important and and just kind of wonderful in that you are the first people in my career that I've never met in person yet, and we've done everything that should have been over dinners and spinning records with each other right. has been over machines, and yeah. I would so nervous about it about just about a year ago now my pal uh dan nobler had sent me allison's record that he had just produced and shortly thereafter we met in the time when i was like you can't do business like this you can't meet songwriters and artists and it was sort of love at first sight and so i'm just so excited to have you both both be working with you and to have you on the show so. We are, we feel so fortunate, you know, to have to have found our way uh, in, to you guys and and to this this whole community, the beautiful Concord community and fantasy community. We're just we feel so lucky and we're grateful that Dan sent you that record. That's for sure. And we're obviously grateful to Dan for producing the record as well. He's just a dream, you know, just a beautiful, beautiful guy and beautiful musician. And what a great guitar player. Oh, just incredible. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. He's my favorite. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. No, yeah. he's he's a name that, that you will all know very, very soon. He's such yeah. an amazing producer. Well, look, I, I want to get into this. First off, what are you up to right now? What's going on? Just like today, we've been doing homeschooling for our daughter. We've been playing catch up. We're getting to the end yeah. of the first grade year, which means like I'm right about at the end of the line where I won't be exposed immediately in my my math uh um you know <laughs> abilities like where there's like still just comfortable teaching without my heart rate starting to uh, uh we're like we're right about there now because we're, we're starting to mess with some fractions and so um okay, it's, it, it's it's getting dicey you're the first partnered uh couple that i've interviewed on the show i think the first duo and a lot of what we talk about is because this goes out so quickly has been, you know, struggling with creativity during yeah. a pandemic. And I'd love to hear from both of you who, um, how you've been dealing with it normally, but also with a child yeah. and how that, has it affected your, your way of approaching art in general, or is it just, are you just spinning plates and jumping in when need be? You know, for me, it's interesting this pandemic, I mean, for both of us, we were prior to the pandemic, we were in such an intense kind of tour grind. We we had gotten into with Birds of Chicago, our project together, we had kind of fallen into the this inertia of if we weren't touring 
150 to 200 days of the year, we didn't feel like we were doing our jobs. And it was kind of subsistence touring that we just couldn't get off the hamster wheel. And, um, and we knew prior to the pandemic that we wanted to make a shift. We were already thinking about that because Ida was so tired of being dragged along on these tours. She loves school. She wanted to be in school full time and not being taken in and out all the time. And so we were already thinking about making a shift. And then the pandemic happened and I've never been in one consecutive place for this long since I was 17 years old and I started in my first band, you know, I mean, the, the, I haven't seen the seasons pass by the window yeah. in one place yeah. in, in years. And I didn't even realize that I was missing that, you know, I've never had my feet and hands in the dirt before. Like we, we planted our first garden and that, I mean, that was such a huge, that felt so, and I know this is so cliche, like everybody's planting a garden and everybody's writing a book and but, but that, was life-changing for us to grow and to grow a garden with Ida who used to, I used to have to hide vegetables and smoothies and, you know, all go through these elaborate schemes to try and get her to eat greens. And now that she's growing her own kale, she eats it like there's no tomorrow. You know, it's just incredible. She eats every vegetable that we grow in the garden that she grows in the garden, you know, she, and, and sees the whole process. And, and we've been having just so much time as a family and of course, there are challenges with, you know, with being the, the teachers as well. And, it, you know, that's not ideal, but we're doing our best with that. And she's just been incredibly patient, I think, with, with us and with all of it um, and, and resilient and being so creative. Like Ida's had an art explosion, some of it behind us here, but mm -hmm. our entire house is like Ida Frist. It's like Ida paintings everywhere. She's just... And she's been writing songs and and I've been writing, I've I've had a writing explosion in this time because I've I've never had this much unbroken time in one place in years. You yes. know, so I've written, you know, a book of poetry. I'm working on a, a memoir, I'm working on just some short stories and the next record. And you know, there's there's just, just been this very fruitful time. And then of course we've begun doing fun stuff like writing with other Concord writers. And mm -hmm. that's been such a joy, you know, and I don't know, it's it's been a really strange, you know, on the one hand feeling, of course, as everyone is this intense anxiety and worry and concern and feeling guilt in some ways over the, the you know, the people that you, we all know are, are having a much harder time through this, you know, mm -hmm. that we have the, the luxury of this safe home and a big yard where we can grow a garden, you know, that, that our landlord gives us stable rent so we can still afford to live through the, the you know, all of these things that, that are privileges, you know, that we, uh, that I'm grateful for, but that there's also a sense of kind of heartbreak that that's not everyone's situation, you know. I mean, as far as writing goes, yeah, I mean, I, you know, we all, you, you, you tell yourself stories about yourself to, uh, to make situations work and, 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 you know, being on the road um, as long as we've been, like steadily for the last eight years and Allie longer. Um, but, you know, I, 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 pretty well convinced myself that I, I needed, I needed to be rootless. I needed to be in constant motion. Like that, that was my, you know, 
that mm-hmm. actually was my center. Um, and uh, I wasn't unhappy doing it. And But yeah, I mean, what I'm remembering is that before uh, I began that lifestyle, when I was living in Chicago and first, you know, kind of like taking songwriting seriously and working as a bartender or a waiter, you know, I had a schedule and I, I got up and made coffee and I wrote for three hours, uh, you know, played my guitar and then went to work and came home and did it again. And I loved it then. And I got a lot of shit done. Uh, and I've like pleasantly fallen back into that. I, I, I don't schedule is not some sort of like, um, uh, is not the enemy of, uh, of inspiration for me. I know, I know for, for some it feels that way, but, uh, for my brain, like the muscle, like, yeah, I dig it. And, and yeah, we both, we've both gotten more kind of cumulatively done for different things, different projects, um, than we've had in yeah. a long time. And we're so, able to, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. We're able to really take shifts as well. And because there's the two of, you know, we have, we have, there's the two of us and our housemate Yola too, who will sometimes come up and hang with Ida and, you know, we can write a song or, but Ida's so amazing about, you know, when she's so creative, so we'll be writing and she'll be painting or, you know, we find ways to do creative things together as a family. Or we'll be and writing and she'll be watching Scooby-Doo. <laughs> that happens sometimes. In a very creative way. Like if you've ever seen our kid watch a show. Like, she actually does. Hey, hey, don't, don't. I'm not going to go off the rails. not passing. If you want to Scooby-Doo, I will do it. <laughs> I will do it. That's how we all learned about justice. Every one of us learned about justice from Scooby-Doo. Watching it with her too, the, and you know, we only we do the original seventies ones, or you know, we draw the line at Scrappy Doo, but that's that's a whole that's yeah, a separate yeah, yeah. yeah, I actually have a really good friend, a wonderful singer and a voiceover actress named Gray Delisle, who uh, is among others is the voice of Daphne on Scooby Doo. So if oh, I need the oh. call. I can arrange Get it. Get out of here. That, that's, that's, that's I would lose her mind. <laughs> she yeah, would be so excited if she got a call from Daphne. <laughs> <laughs> so excited. We'll do some plotting. Oh, um, oh, this is well, I love the idea that you have a daughter, like just the concept, I didn't even think about this, who who needs her own songwriting and art time. So it's probably yeah. easy enough to explain when it's gonna happen. Yeah. Well, Absolutely. Yeah. The other thing I'd love to, to, to ask you is because and as as are my favorite writers, you both are so damn chaotic in the way your uh your 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 brain works for its output and and, and being what project it is. There's several projects that, that exist in your life. I mean, when how does inspiration hit you? Do you get hit for you know a a dim star project? Do you get hit for something that is going to be a solo thing? Do you get hit for something that's going to be Birds of Chicago? Or does a song just come and it finds its home as it's being written? I mean, sort of for both of you. I feel like a bit of both. Yeah. A bit of both. Like yeah, sometimes, I mean, we're always, that's one thing what JT said about the schedule and that schedule is not the enemy of creativity. I think that, um, I think that that is very much something I've learned from him that that to, to to write every day is just beneficial, even if you're not inspired, even if it's something you're never going to show anyone or never use. 
but just to keep that, that as, as JT says, the muscles strong and keep it flowing and don't put up blocks and don't edit before you've written, you know, just keep. And so that sort of a version of that for me with when, whatever song I'm writing, I just kind of try and get it out. And then I always, you know, he's the person I always sound ideas off of first. Um, and sometimes I know right away when I've written something, oh, this is definitely an Our Native Daughters thing that'll, you know, this will crush with, you know, Layla and Amethyst and Rhiannon or, or I'll know this is, this feels more like it's going to be for the next solo record or I'll write something and this is not for me. Who could this be for, you know, and I'll, and we, and we do this together, I would say where we'll, and, and often we'll help each other finish songs if it's one that we're not sure where it's going to live or, and then it kind of reveals itself a bit more as we go. And some songs have different lives. Some songs have a life, you know, with, with our band at first, but then it turns out it's more, you know, Liz Wright's song or it's more it, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny that that question is actually one that's like very much in the forefront right now, because I think if you'd asked me that question a year ago, um, I would have responded perhaps a little bit differently. Like I, I believe a schedule, I used to believe a schedule isn't the enemy of creativity, but I was leery of a sort of authorial intentionality, like starting with like, this is, I'm going to sit down and write some country songs today for the, you know, um, I was more of the, like, you sit down and see what, what comes and then decide what it is later. And that still has its place. But I, I, I feel like I've been lately, I've been, with the comfort of a schedule and with the like sort of widening of the wingspan of the things we're writing for, like I have been getting more comfortable with that, that kind of intentionality of like, listen, today I, I got this day and I need, I need to, I need to finish this dim star stuff. I got this day. I need to, uh, we're going to start working on some, um, you know, so like a little bit of pre, uh, precognition uh uh you know it, it doesn't feel like the danger as much like the dangerous thing that that it did to me uh, a little while ago do, do songs again for both of you do, do songs tend to come and uh do you do, do you finish them do, you, do they come to you and you finish them or do you have little bits that just sort of tug at you for days and weeks and years and do you remember those little bits or is it yeah, definitely yeah. both. I mean, there are some songs, that, those are the ones that I think of as like, I don't know, gifts of the slipstream where it just arrives and it's like finished and it's, that's it. But um, often the songs will have another life, you know, or they'll begin as one thing and then you never quite settle into it. And then you get in a room with a couple of, you know, JT and another songwriter and, oh, it's a whole different song actually. And it's, I like it so much more now with this input, you know, or they just, I feel like it's, it's both. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, let's face it, uh, you know, the smartphone era has, um, has saved a lot of songs, <laughs> you know, That's like, right. like all I, the little uh, tidbits. Just, yeah. you know, oh, no, no, no. When we were in the, we were in still in the touring life. I mean, that, that was my only, like yeah. I'd be driving and I'd, I'd have a, a voice you know, memo or, yeah. a fragment of a melody or a phrase and I'd save it. And um, I mean, it's probably saved a lot of really mediocre songs too. It's <laughs> like, oh, that's, that's one that probably could have just, just faded away <laughs> back into the slipstream. 
Well, as, as, as someone said to me early on in my career, the mediocre songs and the ones that the artists hate are, are, are going to wind up being the hits. So you just got to send them off. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, I know. And that, that's so subjective, too, as you say. Like, one person's like, like this is terrible, and someone else really loves it. You just, I, I've got, that's okay. I've got, that's some, I've got some objectively bad songs. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it's so funny. I talk to people about that all the time. Hearing something, even as an AR person, when I hear something, I've just heard it a million times. When you hear it through someone else's ears, you know, and you, you kind of get, have that experience, you could be like, oh, wait, I'm finding a new value in that, or I'm finding yeah, a new yeah. value in that. Well, that that actually segues into good six of this interview will go by so quickly um, into Allison. You have your first solo record coming up, which you both collaborated on, yeah. which I, I can't wait for the world to hear this record. But I don't know how to speak about it. Other, I was thinking about it a lot in that, like so many, so much great art before us, be it Marvin Gaye or Neil Young or, or, or Dylan, sometimes the, the beauty of a melody um will often hide the intensity of the song. Yeah. And it sometimes takes time. When I was growing up, what's going on was just a groove. Mm -hmm. I loved it. And then when you get into those lyrics and you sort of rise with them in, and the same thing is that you you, you, you both have crafted this, this, this beautiful record, but that has come out with a real intent. And talking about writing a memoir or writing a story, you, you went to a really personal place to yeah. write obviously it was so personal and you two were able to collaborate on it but what was the I'd like you to talk a little bit about the record as much as you'd like yeah and why now what what made that record come out now and what was the decision between you two to do this well you know I think it's a record that is sort of a lifetime in coming and I've been um I think that the the genesis of that record was when I became a mom I knew at some point I would have to excavate my own personal history and, and write it out in some way, shape or form and talk about it because my history is, you know, being a, a child who was severely abused in every way. Um, and I, you know, left ho that home very young at 15 and music really saved my life. So talking about creativity and the importance of the arts is something I'm pretty evangelical about because I would not be, among the living now, were it not for music and the outlet of music and the not just the outlet, but the community that I met through music, you know, including my life partner and the father of our daughter. Um, so that that story, that idea, the, the album, I'm excavating my own personal history, which is it's difficult history, but it's not an album about abuse, right? It's an album about how we transcend. It's an album about resilience. It's an album about forgiveness. It's an album about compassion and preventing these cycles from reoccurring. It's an album about the transformative power of art, you know, to, to help us and heal us and guide us through these times of trial. I mean, everyone, I feel like everyone right now in this pandemic time is, is feeling that, that mm -hmm. sense that people are listening to their records in a deeper way. People are you know, experiencing film art or movie art or, you know, television art in a deeper way and really going in, having this time to reading. 
I, I had so many of my, I'm in like three book clubs right now, you know, so many people are reading and connecting with each other over the reading, which who had time to do that pre-pandemic, you know, very few. And so there are these, this gift that art gives us, you know, to keep us connected, even in this isolated time. And my record, it's funny, I, you know, we recorded it in 2019, actually, and it was between, uh, I had just gotten off the road with Our Native Daughters, um, or I'd been on the road with Our Native Daughters, and then I was on the road with birds, and we all came home for Americana Fest in Nashville. And everybody was home, you know, all of our close community just for a few days. And we just kind of went for it. I had, J I had been, JT and I had been sending, you know, I'd been sending him ideas and I was writing feverishly on the Our Native Daughters bus, like lying in a bunk with Ida. We, so we did this tour with Our Native Daughters, um, which is Rhiannon Giddens, Amethyst Kia, Layla McKellen and I, where we brought all our children on the tour. There were six kids between us, two nannies, Layla and I, all the kids and the two nannies on one bus and the grownups, the rest of the grownups <laughs> on the other bus. And we did, you know, we culminated that tour at Newport Folk Fest, which was just, just so incredible to be there with our children, you know, for our children to experience hearing Mavis Staples sing live, having Mavis and, and see their mom singing with her and, you know, have Mavis hug and kiss them all. It was just like, ah, it was, you know, I could have, that's, that's as, that's as, as close to that. Our lives would be better if Mavis yeah. would hug and kiss on us all. Yeah. I don't, and if, you, if you don't believe that, you're listening to the wrong podcast. I know. <laughs> it was. I just felt like, well, they've all been. We've all just been so. We've been literally blessed, you know, by this incredible being. But anyway, you know, that we were. I was writing so many of these songs. Start. They started on that bus, like scribbling them out. And JT did a writers' retreat at the same time in New Hampshire, and had it massive creative explosion and where he was like I'm channeling you like this is not me this is like you you know and we started comparing notes and it was like this is incredible and we just wrote these songs in a fever you know we wrote them in like what a space of two months maybe yeah and um you know and then we came home for Americana Fest everybody was home we'd wanted we loved Dan's work that the work that he's done on Aaron Ray's record in particular, we just adored. And um, I had met, we met him at, at Third Man. We all did a show at Third Man the year before, I think, with Aaron, with Aaron yeah. and Birds. And, you know, just loved Dan's playing, his vibe. So we just reached out to him, like, would you want to produce this record? And when we started it, I was still in my mind saying, it's probably a Birds record. She was the only one, though. And JT was just like, <laughs> okay, sweetie. <laughs> you know, and Dan was like, really? Okay. You know, but but because for me, because of my history, uh, it's very difficult. I've never wanted to, to put my own name and art forward. Like, for me, it was always about uh, the collective, the community, the whole being greater than the sum of its parts. And frankly, even though this is a solo record, that still holds true. The entire... Mm -hmm my entire community wrapped me up in love and gave me back my own words in music or our own words in music in a, in a way that I could not ever have dreamt. You know, I didn't tell, I would never dream of telling any one of those musicians what to play. Like that crew was just the dream crew, you know, Dan Nobler producing and playing guitars, our, our longtime friend, Jamie Dick on drums, um, our, our close, 
family, Jer's brother, my brother, you know, now Drew on keys, Chris Merrill, who played bass in Birds for Years on the bass, um, Joe Pizzacchia, and all of the, my incredible circle of sisters, Yola came and sang, the McCrary sisters came and sang, Aaron Ray and Ruth Muti, just, they uplift, you know, every song. And um, I'm just so, 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 so grateful for, for the community that, that came together on this record. And I hope that people, it's that story too. It's a story yeah. of none of us gets through any of this on our own, right? We get that, through this together. And, and the, you know, the thing that you said about like, you know, I, 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 it was so important to us that uh, it's okay, Millie. It's okay. That uh, it's okay. It's good, okay. Good growl, it's okay. Uh, um, you know, it was so important that it didn't feel like that we were entering um, the trauma in a static or imprisoned way. Like everything, because it's past. All, everything past about past. this. You know, we wanted it to be cinematic. We wanted it to always be dynamic in the sense of a journey. Like you got the the exactly. the, the, the arc had to the motion of it, yeah. um, the way out uh, had to feel palpable right from the start. And and because to me, that's the most essential part of this is not the particulars of the story, yeah. but for like like any quest, any journey story to someone who is trapped in any number of ways. That's why it's a fundamental thing in art. That's why we all have our stories that have saved us at various times. So like, that was that was huge for us. Yeah, and that was exactly. And so important for me to, to share the story in a way that people who are experiencing similar things understand that there is a time after this. You don't, you are not forever trapped in abuse and dysfunction, you know, and 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 feeling shamed and feeling unworthy and all of that stuff. Like that, that it does get better. I mean, that is a huge part of why I wanted to to share my own, to excavate my own story in that way because it's really we get trapped in these cycles of abuse and bigotry, right? Like we are tra our whole the pandemic isn't our first pandemic. Like we, we are dealing with three pandemics at once, the pandemic of bigotry, the pandemic of abuse and COVID, which is exacerbated by the other two. Like every outcome is made worse by these first two pandemics that have plagued our human one race forever. You know, it's like, so I just feel it's so important to me. The point of art for me is it builds empathy and it, it lets us imagine other possibilities. I wouldn't have survived my childhood without books, without music, without being able to escape and to know that there were other ways that people lived in the world. It wasn't just this, you know, there are, that, that something else could be imagined, something better. But the thing about this specific record is, you know, I know how intensely personal it is on one way and, and you know, it's it's a it's a very it's a very brave thing for anyone to tell their story. But what really floors me about this record is how relatable it is. This record, you know, I just I just ran around sharing with everybody, and I was just so pleased to find that was a shared experience with everyone I was sharing it with. Was just how relatable and how how much hope it ultimately gives. Yeah. And I think you, you you both. I mean, your 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 personalities could not uh, be any more appropriate to having a career of, of, of lifting people up. 
and you, it's a phrase you use a lot, but you've really both have done that with your music. And I, I don't want to sound corny. I hope this is coming across as sincere as I mean it, that the, the importance of what you're, you're delivering here to lift people up in all, in all parts of their life and, and making it relatable and making people I feel, especially right now, feel not so alone. And two things I want to say, because you've talked about your your brother now, Allison, your brother, uh, JT, is also half of your other creative life, correct? So we're keeping it all in the family. Yes. So Dim Star is you and your brother. We're really wrapping a shroud of mystery on that project so far by not releasing any music and having no <laughs> social media presence. So, uh, I can't think of a better way to get the buzz going than that. So, uh, it's my favorite music I've heard in so long, and I know I'm biased because I love them both so much, but I love it. I like it too. Yeah, we're gonna get get people to hear it. All right, I want now as as we're wrapping up very quickly, each of you give us an album we need to be listening to today. What do we need to listen to today? Quickly, off top of your head, fast. I'm so stoked for the new Valerie June record. Me, uh, I was so funny. I was going to say the new Valerie June record. And like, it's every about little, to every little teaser. Oh every, every little teaser I've heard so far has just it's been so beautiful. Luscious and but yeah. also the new Amethyst Kia record that's coming. The first track is out now, Black Myself, and it's going to be amazing. The new Yola record that's coming down the line is going to be amazing. But albums right now that I've I've been obsessing over Mulatu Astake, who's like one of the greatest musicians and composers of all time, as far as I can tell, um, Ethiopian composer and musician. And I I haven't even been, I've been sort of listening to like, um, you know, the full, the, the Ethiopique volume four is the one I've been the most obsessed with, I think for the last- But there's a million of them, yeah. But he's an incredible, his oeuvre his is vast. And I have not heard one thing that he's composed or been part of that I haven't that hasn't resonated with me. So I can't uh, recommend him highly enough. Vast Oeuvre is my DJ name. Vast Oeuvre. <laughs> no one's ever used the word Oeuvre or quite said it with that Montreal and French sort of pace that we do. So I just think that's where we stop. We don't pass that. All right. <laughs> uh, so thank you for joining us, you two. I love talking to you every time we can. I can't wait till we meet in person. Uh, and it will happen soon. Until then, say goodbye to everybody. Say goodbye to everyone in French. Salut, à la prochaine. This show was presented by Craft Recordings. Thanks for joining us for Gone in 30 Minutes, produced by Laura Saez. I'm your host, Tom, and we'll catch you next time.